Hey, gang, you know what's on my mind more than deleting all the annoying kids shows that show up in my YouTube watch history from over quarantine? Better marketing decisions. Yep, that's right. That's why I'm so excited to be supported by my friends at PureCars, who put the power of data and superior information into the hands of dealers where it belongs. Use PureCar to make better marketing decisions and get better results. Visit PureCars.com to get a free, no-risk, no-obligation digital strategy analysis today. That's PureCars.com. Having a diverse workforce, not just in gender, but perhaps race, religion, creed, all of these sorts of things. Um, how do you navigate as a leader, A, coming into an organization that's been functioning a certain way for so many years, but also, I guess what where I want to go with this is we we talk a lot and, I, and, and it's a spectacular conversation to have about diversity in the workforce in closing the pay gap that exists in a lot of instances in equality and uh, um, women in automotive, of course, is a narrative. I had uh, Carrie Wise on my show just not too long ago. She works at True Car. She's a black female leader within the company. And she was kind of outlining from her point of view how she's had to navigate that. But how do you coming into uh, an organization that's already been functioning a certain way, A, navigate diversity in the workplace, but B, not just do it for the sake of doing it, but still ensuring that the people that you are bringing or lifting or promoting are actually there because of the merits of their skill or aptitude or willingness or whatever. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't use the word navigate because that kind of indicates to me that you're kind of weaving through it. I think sure. the, the thing is you just go for it. You have to make it happen. You mm -hmm. have to walk the walk. If all you do is talk about it and you don't take decisive action, then you're really going nowhere. In fact, you're going backwards. You're losing credibility and you just have to make it happen. And I think the hardest part I've had is to convince you know, my organization that like when you interview people, you will interview people of color, of different sexual uh, backgrounds and preferences and different religions and different uh, people that are different than you, people that are going to think different than you. And you're going to bring diversity in. And it begins with recruiting, interviewing, and then hiring. And, you know, sometimes you just have to put your foot down and say, yeah, you have to believe also that there was a great book published almost 20 years ago called Play to Win. And it had a really simple concept. And that was everybody you know, nobody comes to work to lose. Nobody right. comes to work to watch things fall apart. Everybody has an inherent desire to win and to do a great job. Our goal as managers and as leaders is to bring that out in everybody to its full potential. And so, you know, when you say somebody isn't qualified, I, I'm, I'm trying to get the organization to think differently because, you know, I wasn't qualified to do my first job either. And I'm sure most of us, Michael, you probably weren't qualified either. But we I don't had know if I'm qualified still. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. So I think you, you just have to believe in the human spirit and the ability for anybody, anybody with the right background and training to improve themselves and to be effective. And then as you get them in, you can begin to 
help shape their careers into the areas where they'll be most effective for the company. Not everybody's going to be a president. There's only one president. But could they reach director? Could they reach vice president? Could they reach managerial? And, you know, not everybody wants to be president. Not everybody wants to be an executive and take on the stress and work, you know, 20 hours a day. And, and that's okay. You just got to, once you get them in the organization, then you got to work with them on what their career aspirations are and help them get there through mentorship and through training and through, you know, just development. But everybody can make a major contribution if you work at it. My whole point is, you know, you can talk about it, but sometimes you just have to put your foot down and say, you will hire these people and you will develop them. And, and once you get into that mindset and once the organization gets into that mindset, it's amazing how quickly you go from 10% female uh, district managers to 40%. We won't be happy until we're 50% because guess what? 50% of the buyers out there, over 50% are actually female. So, you know, again, we have a ways to go. We're making great progress, but we're not there yet. And I was going to say to that end, you, mu- you, you, you must have done your research because 50% of the buyers, my wife being one of them, uh, who happens to drive the vehicle you have sitting on the wall behind you. <laughs> really? Oh, I tell you what. I mean, dollar for dollar, feature for feature, you can't you can't compete with that one right there. That's the bad. I think his car in the in the industry is phenomenal. But I'll tell you what, it, it's going to evolve as well as we move into electrification, as we uh, continue to develop these new technologies. It's amazing at the speed at which we're changing and having to adjust to a changing market. Uh, this is the greatest time ever to be in the car business because. Whatever you knew yesterday is irrelevant tomorrow. Yeah. And that brings a whole level of excitement to what we're showing up to do every day. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. Um, I, I love this conversation because I really do think we need to be having more of these conversations in the industry to help shape perspective around why culture is important. I think too many, not just in the car business, think that culture is this pie in the sky. Oh, that sounds good. That's a fluffy thing we might hear when we go to a TEDx keynote or whatever. But I mean, speaking for myself, I've seen such a powerful, the the powerful impact that culture has on work satisfaction, on happiness, and and how those things actually contribute to greater buy-in. You spoke earlier about buy-in. So, because you've had such a uh, expansive career in leadership in the automotive industry, now president and CEO of Hyundai Canada. And by the way, for those listening, it's Hyundai like Sunday. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never Hyundai. forget that commercial. Whatever else they come up with. Uh, Hyundai. Uh, yeah. But you know, um, we'll answer to just about anything if you're interested in our products. We're, <laughs> we're here for you. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Whatever you want. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, of course. So, how do you implement? What's the best way to implement? I know we've talked about just do it. How do you kind of set the tone as a leader? Yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be different in every organization and every leadership has a, every leader has a different style. I think one of the challenges we face as an industry, though, is that while we're making considerable changes at the corporate level, uh, unfortunately, those changes aren't being made at the retail level, which is where we engage with the customers, where it's probably most important. And it's difficult because there's a number of changes taking place. 
which I actually think are opportunities for dealers to diversify. Uh, the old, you know, uh, bring people in and just close them as hard as you can mentality is, is dying. It's going away. People are doing the work online. And therefore, with, with greater transparency and online tools, you'd be surprised how much what a diverse organization you can now attract versus what we were, who we were attracting to the industry before. And if you take a look, even at, I mean, just look at the auto shows in the past. And, you know, you look at the turnstiles with the cars up there and who's typically next to the car. And it's, it's a female dressed in a skimpy outfit, you know, and we have this bad, terrible um, reputation to overcome for a hundred years. We've, we've kind of done it this way. So we need to change it all, you know, and the way we project ourselves and the way we act. So the way we talk and the way we walk. And I think it's incumbent on uh, even retailers, take a chance, go out there. And you'll find that with the way systems are set up now, there's a lot more people interested in getting involved in retailing cars that uh, maybe wouldn't have been before, because again, it was a pretty high pressure, pretty, uh, high stress uh, type of job where now the softer skills are more important. The ability to write, to communicate online, the ability to uh, encourage people with, you know, your, your personalities through zoom and through chat. And so it's a whole new ball game. And I think we, we just need to adjust because unfortunately less than 10% of our workforce in the field, our front line is female. But if you look at Forbes, they did a study uh, in 2016, and I'm sorry to all my male counterparts out there, but it showed that females close 5% better than males in today's environment. So, and it also showed that they, they surveyed the top performing salespeople in the country, and this is the U.S., but they, they surveyed them and found that 62.5% were female. And we know this intuitively that, you know, a diverse group of people on the front line is going to be more attractive to the customers walking through that door or connecting with us online. So it's just been hard to, to attract those, the, the diversity that we need. And I think now we just have to really accentuate how our business has changed and how, yeah, it is a lot more uh, enjoyable for the people that are doing it. Uh, they don't have to be closers. They just have to really be able to, uh, understand the product, understand communication, understand people, more psychologists than closer. I, I love that so much. It makes me think about too, you, you know, I, I was raised in a home. I have four sisters. I have no brothers. Mm -hmm. So my upbringing never included what's, you know, woman cannot do what man does and man cannot do what woman does. It was like, no, you all, y'all, can do whatever you want. Yeah. And so even as a leader now in my business, it's, it's always been a foreign concept to me about, you know, gender specifics and things. I'm just like, look, we, we hire based on compatibility with our core values and our beliefs that yeah. helps us, you know, naturally find people that, that can, can do the best job that they possibly can, who are willing to grow, who are willing to learn, who, you know, all of these sorts of things. But, but I do find it interesting that just on that premise alone, Forbes indicating that, that females can close 5% more or better. Do you think that in somehow just relates to the fact that traditionally 
I am man, I hunt, you know, and I'm, I'm going to pounce on you. Whereas women are just tend to naturally be better at those soft skills, developing, nurturing, building a relationship, getting to know you, caring more about something. Like I look at my wife, man, she, what, what a saint, yeah. you, you yeah. know, to, to put up with me. And, but, but it's also when I look at, when I look at the relationship that we have with our children, we are a very loving, huggy kind of feel. I don't know if that's the Italian in me or what, but, but who do my children naturally, who has the gravitational pull? Yeah. You know, it's I, my wife. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why, you know, I, I, all I can tell you is that the customers coming through the door are not all a bunch of old white males like me. Right. And therefore, I am not going to be able to relate to them as well as if I were a dealer and I had a very diverse workforce and people walk through the door and, and they see that diversity on my, my showroom floor, uh, not a bunch of people you know, smoking cigarettes, putting them out in the planner and kind of just waiting for the next person to walk in. I'm going to feel more comfortable. And if I'm more comfortable, uh, you're in more better chance you're going to close me. And the chances are we already had a relationship before I walked in the door because we've been communicating online. And we had actually already worked out the tenets of a, a basic deal. So you knew what I wanted. You knew what I was looking for. And chances are that the person I was talking to actually had a pretty good command of the language and able to communicate with me uh, very effectively and, and in a way that I found very appealing. I think all these things come into play. And uh, I do believe that ultimately it really doesn't matter if you're male or female or what your background is, your ethnicity. Um, ultimately, what matters is that you have an array of individuals that can relate to anybody that's going to come in and be able to help them and service them. And hopefully they're going to stay because we also have a problem with turnover. I mean, I, I don't know how many salespeople I know that they're on their, their 13th company. Well, how do you build loyalty? You know, I mean, there's nothing better than it's like my, my bankers, you know, uh, we, we do a lot of business with, with the banks because of uh, the nature of our business. And I'll tell you, when, when somebody leaves, uh, here in Canada, we had uh, Ruth McBride, who just retired. And I've been working with Ruth for 15 years. And uh, I, I started shaking when she retired because we had done so much business together. And that, that loyalty, uh, that, that's important. And, and I worry about our retailers, the lack of loyalty and what that means long term. But I think if it's not just developing a diverse group of, of frontline individuals, but keeping them, keeping them so that they can continue to service that customer over and over. One other point, Michael, and I think this is the advantage that we as OEMs have right now, we as the established brands, you know, we're, we're not just in our communities across the country, we're part of our communities, our dealers are part of those communities. They often live, they've, they've been there most of their lives, they know the people, people know them. Uh, and this is what I call the high ground. And, and this is what Tesla wants. This is what Rivian and all these new car companies that want to come out. That's the ground. They're, they're kind of the barbarians at the gate that want to come up the hill and take our high ground. And, and we've got to protect it. And they've got a few advantages. They're a little further ahead when it comes down to online transactions and being able to work online. They're a little more diverse. And we need to look at that and see the risk that represents to our high ground that we currently occupy because as they begin to infiltrate the communities across the country, they are infiltrating with better tools, uh, with better policies and practices and a more diverse group. So I think it's incumbent on us 
to ensure our sustainability long term that we work with our retailers to achieve this. It's not a matter of this is the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do, but it's a necessity for sustainability of our, of our brand. Yeah. Amazing. And I love what you're talking about as far as soft skills go. I mean, you know, I'm sensitive to the fact that I grew up in rural British Columbia, 99.97% white Caucasian people. You didn't have a lot of opportunity to, you know, get diverse as far as ethnicity or things of that nature. But you bring up soft skills and the need to adapt or evolve your process to include more of those things. And fortunately, those are skills that can be taught and skills that can be learned. Yeah. And, and I love that you're taking a position of be in control. Don't let things, don't be acted upon, take action. Just do it. Just do it. I love it. Like you had it right, you know, just, just do it. Don't talk about it. Just do it. Talk is cheap, you know, and, uh, you know, again, sometimes you just have to say, you, I have often the people say, well, okay, we've got these two people and uh, we think this person's more qualified. And, uh, you know, sure enough, that person looks a lot like the person that interviewed them. And sometimes you just have to say, no, you're going to take the other person and train them because they're both, you know, you can look at their educational background. You can look at the, the work experience that they bring with them. Uh, you can look at, at all kinds of areas and, and you're probably not going to interview them unless there's a level of qualification or you have a problem with your recruiting. So, I mean, if they're in your door and you're talking to them, there is some qualification there. And the rest, you just got to push, you got to force it. And uh, I just believe by doing so, you know, again, uh, <laughs> if, if, if you keep working in that direction, it will happen. You know, if, if you push it, they will come. Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.